0: we continue with our study of the book of Ephesians, specifically Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 through 28, which reads, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he teaches from this passage in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Walk in Truth. When I um, re-entered the country from uh, Russia, I shamelessly and joyfully exercised my privilege because I am part of a group that has, that's part of the the, the uh, procedure known as global entry. If you've ever been out of the country and you, and, and you come back into a major airport, you know how it is, you get, you, you get ushered along and then uh, they say, uh, enter right here and you go down the line that goes down this way and you turn around and you go down the line that goes this way to the other end of the room and you turn around the line that goes this way and later in the afternoon... You get to the customs guy who then says, oh, yeah, you're, you're who you say you are. You can, you can come on in. Go get, your, go get your suitcase. Well, if you have global entry, I skipped that line. I went over to this place over here. I walked up, and they've made it even easier than it was the last few times I entered. This time, I walked up, and it just said, put your face in this frame and push the button. I put my face in the frame, push the button. It says, welcome home, Mr. Harris. That's cool. I mean, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes at least that it, that it saved me. And I belong to that club. I get in just by smile. I didn't even smile. Just showing my face. And I get in. Now, a lot of people think of Christianity that way. It's the heavenly version of global entry. I just show my face and I get in and that's what it's all about. Well, you know what? That's an abominable illustration of what it means to be a Christian. All of us who went through global entry walked up, took our picture, got the receipt, and we zipped on to beat everybody else to baggage claim. None of us stuck around and said, Hey, welcome home. Glad to see you. Hey, how about we stop and pray together? Can we have a little Bible study? Let's, let's, let's celebrate that we belong to this. No, that wasn't it. But that's the body of Christ. Yes, you get heavenly entry. Not based on anything you did. When you go and show your face for the heavenly entry, God looks and says, Oh, Jesus, He sees us clothed in His righteousness. But between now and then, we belong to each other. And this, my friends, in this series of imperatives, shows part of how we demonstrate that we belong to each other. So, let's move on to the next of these commands. Number two in our outline, be angry, Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, the word angry here is uh, a Greek word that you didn't know that you knew. It's the Greek word orge. If you were to see it spelled, transliterated in English, it would look like orgy. What a minute. What's that all about? Well, um, orgy doesn't mean, orge doesn't mean that in that sense primarily. It means um, a, a boiling over. It's God's settled attitude against sin that one day will be poured out as his, as his wrath. And by the way, this is also a quote from a, an Old Testament passage. In this case, it comes from the Septuagint version of Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, Be angry and do not sin. Now, let's make, let's make a couple of observations there. First, understand it is possible to be angry without sinning. In other words, not all anger is sinful. Most of the times when we get angry, yes, we we are sinning, but not all anger is sinful. And would you notice, yes, it does mean what it says, you are commanded to be angry. It doesn't say, if you happen to become angry, don't sin. Now, that's good advice. If you become angry, don't sin. You do not have to sinfully express your anger. But that's not what it says. It says, be angry. It's a command to be angry, and it's even one of those present imperatives, which means that this should be your consistent response in certain situations. So let's see if we can apply that a little bit. Well, the first part is fairly easy. When you get angry, understand you can handle it without sinning. That might seem foreign to you if you come from a family or a culture where, you know, to vent your frustration means that dishes get broken and, uh, and people scurry for cover or something like that. But we need to think it through. You don't have to have a sinful reaction to anger. But we also need to figure out what is it that I'm commanded to be angry about. Well, the key to this is to be angry at what makes God angry, what insults His character, what contradicts His truth. For example, I'll show you that there's a godly kind of anger, First Kings 11 verse 9, Now Yahweh was angry with Solomon. Because his heart was turned away from Yahweh, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God is highly displeased. You might even say angry toward those who profess to know him and turn away from him, even temporarily. Or Psalm 711. Here's a definition of God or a description of God. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Boy, if you're perfectly righteous, there's a lot of things in this world that are going to tick you off. God has indignation every day toward that which robs Him of His glory. Jesus, the only sinless man who has ever lived, illustrated this kind of anger. When some Hypocrites were upset with him for suggesting healing a man on the Sabbath. We read this in Mark chapter three, verse five, and looking around them with anger. I remember preaching through Mark and getting to that verse, and you know, it's glorious. The man had a, a withered hand. The, the The miracle is is amazing, but I just spent some time standing there and thinking. If you were in that crowd and the Son of God looked at you with anger, oh, I'm amazed people weren't incinerated. Looking around at them with anger. Why? Grieved at their hardness of heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and His hand was restored. Or remember the two occasions when Jesus made a whip and then used it to clear the hypocrites, the money changers, out of the temple. You understand, the main things that make God angry are sin, obviously, hypocrisy, and false doctrine. God does not share His glory. He is the only one to be glorified. And He does not co-mingle His truth with error. He does not advertise His message as, you know, choose my brand, it's a little better than the others. No, it's, everything else is wrong, and this is right. Are these the kinds of things that make you angry? This concept that God doesn't share His glory made me think of um, 1 Samuel chapter 5, First six verses. The Philistines got a hold of the Ark of the Covenant. It turned out to be a bit of a problem. They took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. That was the place of their big temple. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon. That's one of their uh, main gods. Big temple, uh, a big uh, idol, big statue of Dagon. They brought the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it into Dagon's temple and set it by the idol. Then the rose arose early the next morning, and behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of Yahweh. They must have figured, oh, those darn teenage vandals, they got in and they, and they pushed our statue over. Well... There's more to it than that. So they took Dagon, set him in his place again. But they arose early the next morning, and behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of Yahweh. What great symbolism! God tips over the altar, face down toward the true, the the representation of the true God. This time it's even more. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor all who enter Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Now, the hand of Yahweh was glorious against the Ashdodites, and he made them desolate and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. Don't Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald for Heritage Bible Radio. I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.